Hi, um, it's me, Kelsey. I've, I wanted to call and leave you a voicemail after the holidays because I saw a bunch of movies. My, one of my 2020 resolutions of a few is to get more into movies. I don't know. I, I feel like I presume that I know what's going to happen, all of them, and it's just Hollywood playing out these narratives that are popular. But I want to get into them because they're cool and they're entertaining, and it's cool to be transported out of our lives for a couple hours to watch this story unfold. So, yeah. Um, Yeah. Okay. Bye. Uh, jour de feet? Boring. Bring me back when you got some feet de jour. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm under arrest. Uh, Shane, we're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to postpone this one. <laughs> Sorry. Feet of the day. I don't know. Kind of funny, right? <laughs> uh huh. Wiki feet could have a feature th- called "Your Feet de Jour." Uh huh. I think it's fit. So well, okay, you might but <laughs> retinker that joke. Okay, but if you were if you're reading it phonetically, <laughs> if you were looking at it, the joke would make sense. People, I'll spell this for you. It's F E T E is is what I said. Feet there, and then it's D E J O U R. Now, an English speaker doesn't speak French. You could look at that and go, "Oh, yes, feet de jour." Funny stuff. Okay. Well, <laughs> I thought it was good. <laughs> that Tati is a wisecrack. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the second episode of season seven of Real Rap, folks. Uh, we are here talking about Jacques Tati's debut film, uh, Jour de Fête, uh, which we're going to, I think from here on out, called The Big Day, which seems to be the accepted rough translation of, of, uh, of, of that the title. American moviegoer, the white moviegoer. He's a, he's a, he's a viewer I can't get my, can never put my finger on. He's always escaping my 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 paw. I'm imagine like swatting a... <laughs> at him like a kitty. Imagine like a boardroom full of executives going, "Now how can we reach the white moviegoer?" <laughs> I don't, the I easiest... don't get it. <laughs> what do they want? <laughs> I've tried everything. We gave them Joker. We gave them another Joker. <laughs> For Christ's sake, we've given them four Jokers. <laughs> The white moviegoer might the white male moviegoer might be the easiest market, the most <laughs> simple, easiest to please, the fat, the most round. Because you could do you could do one of two things: you can either just give them everything they want at every turn, or you can make them feel intelligent for thirty seconds. You can flatter their intelligence the way a Christopher Nolan <laughs> film might for like a minute and a half, yep. and you've got them fucking hook, line, and sinker. Uh-huh. And by also. Inversely, by giving them absolutely nothing and punishing them, still a success, huge success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, got one over on them, <laughs> and they think they're winning. Oh, Shane, what do you think of uh, Feet to Shore? 
Oh well, you could tell I'm in a jovial mood just just because of what a what a riot, a laugh riot I had. Not only watching this film, but thinking about it and uh, whistling the little tunes from it afterwards. How do you how do you feel, Bennett? Uh, this movie was delightful. I um I watched it pretty late last night, like before going to bed. Uh huh. And it filled me with like so much energy that I had a tough time falling asleep because I just uh, a lot of bits, a lot of gags, just little fish swimming around in your head, like joke over here, joke over there. Oh, where's the where where are the jokes gonna go? I watched the first hour, couldn't wait to get back and finish the last thirty minutes because of all the uh, all the fun I had in the first. I'm not joking. It's actually very, very fun <laughs> to watch. Uh, both Shane and I have trouble sounding sincere when we say things. Um, <laughs> That's good, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, for real, a uh, kind of a delightful romp through the uh-huh. uh, the French countryside with our with our friend here. He's not playing Mr. Hulot yet, um, but uh, still immediately recognizable profile of uh, Jacques Tati. Mm-hmm. He's just a funny looking guy. Very tall, he's got kind of a big nose, he takes up a lot of space. Um, was that him? Yeah, as the uh, as the bike messenger Francois, I believe his oh, name. Oh, I didn't recognize him because he's so svelte. Well, he doesn't have the pipe, yeah. Mm. He's wearing a different hat. Wow, <laughs> shows how much I know. Uh, we'll get uh, some intern to edit that part out. Oh, yeah. Sorry, that now I sounds like I'm calling you an idiot. Well, No, no, I'm you're not. You, I, I, the fact is, ben, uh, is that I'm an idiot. If you're not some simpleton, folks, you could watch this movie, and within... Well, he weirdly within holds seconds. off on introducing Francois. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not some sort of moron, about uh-huh. 13 minutes into this movie, when uh, a certain uh, postman rides in on his bike, uh-huh. trying to avoid a wasp, you'd recognize the inimitable Jacques Tati. Um, he's, a, he's a lot like most of your kind of titans of screen comedy, uh, your Keatons, your Chaplins, your... Uh, your Dwayne's Rock Johnson. He's uh, your Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Dwayne he, Reed. Your Dwayne Reeds. He's got a. He's got a very specific look and a very specific uh, kind of way he uh, he zips around. Um, zip zip zip. He's on that little bike. Where's he gonna go? I have no idea. I knew I was in a in for a treat from the opening frames of this movie. I love any movie that opens with someone arriving at some place or asks us to follow a vehicle moving from like one side of the frame <laughs> to the other. Uh, Kelly Reichert does it a lot in her movies. And I, I, this, this more called to mind the opening of uh, the Lord of the Rings, the fellowship of the ring when uh, Gandalf is riding into town with all of his fireworks and his, and his pipe weed. <laughs> he <has> the, <laughs> the great old wizard is never early line. It reminded me of this because we've got a, uh, a carnival rolling into town uh huh. What did you think that was? That fucking tr- truck of horses. Um. Oh, I thought it was like parts of a carousel. Oh, yeah, I, I, had I mean, no I, idea. I had. I. I. I knew basically what the movie was about. I mean, insofar as there is a plot. But yeah, where, where did your mind okay. go? Did you think they were like dead horses? I was or? just like, this is <laughs> bizarre. This is uh-huh. weird. Like he's got a bunch of toy ponies that he's gonna give out. When the kids started taking all the ponies, I was like, they're all gonna take them. Ho- like he's some. He's some like uh, some do-gooder that's just giving wooden ponies to all these kids. Um, great opening gag. You know, the way he introduces this is like, or before introducing anything that happens in the movie is having those uh, wooden horses go by and then the actual horses like sp- sprint off into the distance. 
Um, I cannot even imagine where your head must have been at, not knowing that this was like pieces no of idea. <laughs> it's I'm sort of like the gleeful, idiotic character that, uh, like all the bits that were supposed to be making fun of the dumb guy, I was like, how is he going to get out? Where? How has he gotten himself into this situation? Um, I I also knew I was in for a treat right off the right right out of the gate when the. Uh, the truck with all the horses gets stuck behind like a family of ducks and has to like slow to a crawl to let these ducks pass by. <laughs> love that. Uh, one of my favorite things to see in the you real world. Ducks. And I think this is the first time I've ever seen it in a movie when uh, traffic is brought to a standstill by ducks. Love to see it. Uh huh. What What about the duck? Is it is appealing to you? Because I feel like much of wildlife kind of does not appeal directly to you, but the duck seems to have nestled its way right into your frontal lobe. Nestled its little bill with its weird teeth. On the underside, uh-huh. yeah. Um, no, you're you're, you're right. I, I hate nature. I hate being outside. I hate most uh-huh. animals that people like. I don't really like dogs. Um, I just I don't know. I like the way a duck looks. I like the the little bob in their head when they walk around, and I like that they mm-hmm. walk in a single file line. I find it very uh, I find it very endearing. <laughs> I like the green head of the mallard duck. It's something that's mm-hmm. been a nostalgic for me and always appealing. Never. Mm-hmm. It's like an emerald in the rough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really sticks out on a on a on a pond. Yeah. Um, do you remember in Central Park, like probably now, like three years ago, when there was that hot Mandarin duck that just appeared out of nowhere? <laughs> oh, yeah, just the most picturesque, fucking sexy duck you've ever seen in your entire life. <laughs> oh. Uh huh. So if these we ducks op- could talk. If these ducks Sorry. could talk. Jacques Tati takes us to a small town of Saint-Sever-sur-Indre, um, which has a population of like 800 people as of 2009. A countryside town that uh, Jacques Tati grew up in and is known basically only for this movie taking place there. Really? Yes. He lived there during the occupation, um, the Nazi occupation that is. And uh, most of the actors were unknown, and villagers served as extras. Uh, now, so our listeners who aren't familiar with um, world history, you'll remember the Nazis <laughs> taking France as the event that Chris Matthews likened Bernie Sanders winning Nevada to. Uh, All right, now, Ben. Yeah. We're going to... That happened four... Se- seven months ago. <laughs> that happened two weeks ago, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I, and I, I remember, and this is the extent of the research I did into this movie. Admittedly, there's not a ton of like um, long form essays or anything, but it, it said on Wikipedia that there were a lot of uh, a lot of the people in the film were kind of non actors, actually from the village. I think it gives it a nice kind of uh, kind of a local flavor. It all feels like very, very authentic. You can tell these aren't sets that he's built, um, mm-hmm. and that's interesting to find out that this is where he grew up because it it adds a new dimension to the sort of ease with which. Um, Francois kind of moves in and out of buildings. He's constantly like, he's letting his bike ride down the street as he mm-hmm. runs into one building and out of another. Um, it reflects his sort of like familiarity with the space. Um, and maybe that's part of why why Jacques Tati has such like a deft comic touch here because he really knows this place uh, in and out and really knows how to use uh, the whole hog when it comes to uh, <laughs> crafting a gag. Uh-huh. He, um, and he, he seems to be situate his characters in this straddling this line between uh the the like farmer 
lifestyle and the metropolitan um, aspects of like modernity. He's like, these people are like in a small town and they have visions of like America and like the big city and what it's like, but they're also kind of like still have to like go out back and like get water out of a well and like mm-hmm. gather a bunch of hay. Uh-huh. Well, they don't have cars. I mean, it's it, the most like advanced thing we've got basically seems to be Francois on his bicycle, which can sort of go faster than any sort of horse-drawn vehicle. <laughs> um, it's interesting. It, it, it's, it's, it speaks to the degree to which this is sort of um, a very, very old world sort of French town that a carnival rolling into town is like the height of modernity mm. um, is the height of like, because I don't know about, I don't know if you're much of a, a, a carnival person in more, in more like, <clears throat> In the in the sort of like U.S. Uh, parlance, uh, a carnival does not signify modernity. It almost it almost signifies this like old world like right, circus yeah. type thing that's still rolling into town. It feels very like rickety. And, that's interesting. Um, yeah, like it's held it, together with duct tape. And it's something you do almost as like a, oh, we're going to like the old fair. Like it's uh-huh. like a old dumb thing that you do. It's like taking you back to like uh, Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams and, and E, that sort of thing, yeah. Uh-huh. Like the Gravitron is not the height of technology. It is like just the 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 depths of like uh let's just spin something. Like it's not it's not a smart machine. Well, in general, I don't know how much did you ever go to like the either of the two dueling carnivals that we would always have growing up? The one that would be at that um elementary school well, I don't know if it was an elementary school church. slash church in Levittown, yeah. and then there's the one that would come to Shady Brook Farm. And like it feels like it was modern up to a point, and now it's like can you test your limits against what people in the nineteen fifties thought was <laughs> yeah. the height of technology? Yeah. No, See if like... you can survive a ride on this thing. <laughs> this <laughs> like... was crazy in the seventies. Now it's just dangerous. Dangerous, uh-huh. <laughs> this uh. this food was a was a rare regional taste of another part of the country fifty years ago. Now we know it's just gonna give you diabetes. It's just you wanna, gonna you wanna give, give it a taste? Cancer. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. Fried dough. Oh, I remember we went to the we, uh, a few of our friends in Boston went to the fair, and my friend with the least um, inhibition, I guess, ate like three servings of fried dough, which is like a massive, like, it probably costs like four cents to make this thing. And he ate so much of it that he literally had to like. To buy. <laughs> he had to lay, lay down at the fair, and his girlfriend had to take him home early, and we're like an hour away from home. It's interesting the way that the in the old world, new world type of way, the carnival comes to town and everyone's like gathering for it. It's all very exciting. And this very, very, very old lady who's like hunched over to like her ankles uh, is commenting on the goings on about like, oh, yeah, it's like this new thing for all of you. Or, like, look at your look at you all kind of, like, chasing your tail, trying to, like, get ready for this big day. Um, she kind of acts as a character that, like, sees through it all. I feel like Jacques Tati, maybe, because it's, like, an earlier film, he has to have, like, an outside perspective to show, like, yeah, I don't actually think that, like, everybody's like this or, like, this is kind of, this is supposed to be fun and mm-hmm. and not, like, my view of humanity. Right. He he holds our hand a little bit there and also like seems to be underlining the gags. Like when all the guys are sitting on wet paint, she's like explaining the situation as if we wouldn't get it. It's like right, his way of like right. easing us into this. 
Right. He's um, like, okay, this is how the gags are going to go. Someone's <laughs> going to, and then uh-huh. they're going to realize, and that's generally how things go and begin. <laughs> and it's, yeah, and it's, it's, it's sort of, it's preparing you. It's a little bit like Robert De Niro and the Irishman pulling out that big map and drawing like the Sharpie line across the various <laughs> like highways and byways. It's like, it's preparing you for like the style of comedy you're about to get. Like she's letting you know, mm. like, yeah, here's here's the bit here. It's going to be like daily annoyances. <laughs> it's going to be people like it, it's just going to be That's these true. kind of like run of the mill like, oh, oh, no, I, I've slipped. It, it's going to be like slip I on a banana peel type stuff. Have... It's not going to be Buster yeah. Keaton riding the rails. <laughs> I think a lot of people compare this to Buster Keaton and to Charlie Chaplin, I guess, because it's a comedy in black and white. Um, but I think it'll be interesting to draw the comparisons between um, like what Buster Keaton's conception of his main character is and what Charlie uh-huh. Chaplin's is and what uh, Jacques Tati's ends up being. Well, yeah, I mean, that's another way that people always kind of draw the parallel. I mean, we obviously talked a little bit about this on our M. Hulot episode, but um, Jacques Tati has a kind of stock character here he's playing a, a slight riff on it and obviously buster keaton though he never like named though his characters had several names explicit uh, several names he had the sort of stone-faced persona chaplin mm-hmm. had the uh had the tramp harold lloyd had the kind of harold lloyd mm-hmm. um they all have their think of this think of this now in in today's terms is think of a guy like brad pitt you see him in different movies but it's always going to be brad pitt that might be a good way of i think bennett for our more contemporary viewers to understand what this might mean mm-hmm. i'm trying to think of like who's like an obscure actor we'd be like now think of now think of m emmett walsh when you see <laughs> m. emmett walsh in a movie <laughs> and you know and, and you know okay okay we're in good hands settle here. In. i'm listen i don't care what now, is it what it is i'll see anything you know when you know they've called the police, when you know a character's on the way, okay, here's a character that's maybe going to be important, or maybe they're just playing a, a stock right. sort of role, and then he opens right. the door, and it's Dan Hedaya, you go, okay. <laughs> you say, hang up the phone, put your, stop texting, you stop eating your whatever sh- shit nachos they gave you at the uh, at the Alamo Draft House, you put, you tell everybody to leave the theater, and you say, this one's for me, I'll, I'll uh-huh. pay for all the seats, just let me, let you- me have this one. You put that Bavarian legend down. I don't care how much it costs. <laughs> I still haven't had the Bavarian legend. And Shane, I think oh, I'm going to do it on. sooner rather than later. How I th- have you not had it? I thought you told me you were getting it one day. Oh, I was. I think I was joking. I No, I have not had it. A, I don't want to have to order something called the Bavarian legend. Right. B, it's I'm sure it takes 30 minutes to make. It's an enormous <laughs> frozen pretzel. <laughs> and... You don't um, think they so got they, one they, one of those on the cook all the time? Uh, they never the do. No, no. I mean, they never have the nuggets even on the on the cook all the time. Oh. And three, since they put the <laughs> three, as I hold up four fingers, and three, <laughs> since they since they added the calorie counts to your fucking, oh, and it's not as if this a is a shame. recent phenomenon. Come but on. since they added the calorie counts to your 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 movie snack menu, knowing Why the that fuck a very they do that two thousand calories. Why would they put those on there? That's the only place I don't want to know is at the theater. I think it's probably mandated, honestly. Oh. It's probably like a state thing or even a city thing. <laughs> the ideas of modernity in 1949 when this movie was made, I think are still very applicable. Like the guy that gets his clean his daughter's clean shirt from what is like, I guess, the 1949 equi- countryside equivalent of the dry cleaner. And he has to get into like his rickety ass, um, like ass drawn carriage to, <laughs> to, to that's like all dirty, and he's carrying this white clean shirt, trying to like balance and like not 
wrinkle it. You have an, you and I have I'm sure have done this many times. Going home uh-huh. from the dry cleaners, like how soon uh-huh. am I going to ruin this? <laughs> uh absolutely. Yeah. Trying not to let it like drag on the ground or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and you gotta hold your well, arm worse, like a little high. It's honestly, like trying to get stuff to the dry cleaner is always so much worse because it's like Okay, I, I can't irreparably fuck up this pile of clothing. Here. <laughs> if, a, if a bus screams by and like splashes a puddle in my face, I'm ruined. If I right, fall down, right. I'm ruined. Right. <laughs> this is that's it for me. This is every piece of work clothing I own. What am this, I going to go into work with it. tomorrow? <laughs> I'm going to be looking like fucking Barney Rubble at work. Do you know how many times I've not gone into work, though? Not at, not at my current job, which is fairly recent. But do you know how many times I've not gone into work because I didn't have anything that I could conceivably oh wear to work? Oh, my God. You're looking at it you're like, and, mm, it's not, not uh, going to happen today. Well, yeah, because I've, I've, in, in, I've been in instances where, like, the only pairs of, like, khakis or chinos that I have clean have, like, big grease stains down the legs. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, God. <laughs> yeah. The difference between your work and my work is that I just have to wear those stained clothes and I'm just like relying on darkness so that people will uh, not see that pee that I have on my clothing. Um, speaking of clothing, and actually this this movie brought something up. We were talking about how like before we got on mic, um, if I were someone who lived in this village and this carnival was rolling into town, I would 100% be like the nimby asshole. I would be out there going like, no, no, no. Not in my fucking backyard. You're going to... Okay, you got one day. If I come out here at 6 a.m. and I see a piece of confetti on the ground, if I see one roused about, still sleeping. Uh-huh. uh-huh. I, one popper. You know, I'm, calling con- I'm calling our congressman. <laughs> it just reminded me of today was like the first day where weather... Thank God it's a Monday. Thank fucking God. And I'm not C-G-I-M. even saying that like a rise and grind hustle. Like, thank uh-huh. God it's a Monday because today was like the first like really nice day. Like, I think spring is like starting here. It's like beautiful out. Yeah, I went for a run, called it short because I realized how out of shape I am. But like, very, uh-huh. very soon, Frankfurt Avenue, I guess, bleep bleep Avenue where I live, is going uh-huh. to be even more packed to the gills with jackasses than it normally is. And I have no, I have no right to comment on fashion. I'm one of the worst dressed people living. But uh-huh. there are three things I cannot abide when it comes Let's to men wearing that. Ring and them you're out. You're gonna see a lot. Let's of hear them. them. Number one: Sle- sleeveless shirts, besides Number basketball two. jerseys or pennies. <laughs> open-toed shoes <laughs> okay open-toed okay. shoes period number th- number three, i three cargo disgusting. shorts shorts period oh. men should not wear <laughs> shorts uh-huh it's just it's just ugh. it's never a good look and I, maybe i'm speaking from the perspective of someone with abnormally beefy calves you have beefy calves that's right. i have very I beefy s- calves i can I, see where this comes from so i'm maybe just projecting when it comes to finding shorts repulsive but like uh-huh save it get that Is, get that under wraps was that three number three was that was three, yeah. Okay. As I held up five fingers. Um. Five, yes. Bingo. Well, I'm sure we're going to be seeing a lot more of all those things pretty soon, Bennett, with this oh, uh, warm weather on the rise. Oh, yes. Um. Spring has sprung, that is for sure. Um, there is a scene in this opening that... Uh, kind of points at some things there's a, there's like a subplot in this movie that the guy that comes into town that runs the carousel he's the the guy that owns the stage i i knew a guy <laughs> i met a guy that owned a stage like a concert stage and half the year he is putting this stage together in order to take it to different locations and the other half of the year, the stage just lives on a farm, 
just laid out on the ground. Is he the one person responsible for this no, stage? No, he has okay. a whole team that works seasonally. He's like, uh, sorry, can't can't do anything today. I'm working on the stage. It's like I was gonna say, it, uh, the stage. Like, do you mean that proverbially? <laughs> you're right. Do you mean you're you're acting? What Working you, on what the you, stage. Auditioning? Yeah. Because uh, no. um, I was gonna say, like, isn't that the whole point of like roadies and like is to have many many people working on like construction of stages? Right. Um. Well, apparently, you, you, there's there's entire countries of these these stages. It works better when you have one auteur building the stage, is what, is what this guy's saying. <laughs> <laughs> one guy's vision, really, yeah, yeah. behind this stage. Who put this stage together? Hey, who the fuck? What, what <laughs> hack put this fucking stage? What middle brow scumbag <laughs> put this? I, I, I don't even know stage terminology. I, yeah, so I, I don't I, know. The stage bit is right going to fall apart. This, yeah. The stage left is where stage right's supposed to be. <laughs> who put this Eve up? This Evesman. Doing a uh, doing a doing a production of uh, our town. You call us a fucking trellis? Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Speaking <laughs> of the staging of one play, I can remember that I. <laughs> so there's a shot. The subplot of the guy that puts the carousel together. He's in love with a woman who lives in a window. Kind of just like on the second floor. Well, the French first floor of a building. And he is, uh, there's a quick shot of him taking the wooden horses out of his truck. And he's sitting on one of the wooden horses. And the love interest that he just kind of looks on at, looks down at him. And he kind of looks like a knight on this tiny little wooden horse. And basically just a very cute, fun thing that makes this adult guy look kind of like a kid. Which... I feel like is a uh, a device that Tati uses a lot or like kind of compares the bodies of like kids and adults and how they move. Um, well, he uses that scale a lot too. Um, it's just kind of like funny to watch like kids and adults doing like the same mm. gag or to watch like kids mm-hmm. running after adults. Um, another great moment between the two of them is this carnival also features a cinema and we're listening to like sounds from like a trailer for some like Hollywood romance. <laughs> and that's playing off screen as he and this woman just sort of like silently flirt with one yeah. another. Oh, it's so good. It's good. It's so, it's, so good. It's, it's great. Like it's weird. It doesn't, um, it doesn't work that they're just, it doesn't work out that they're just looking at each other and like are in love. Like it only works that there's the sound in the background and like, it's the way that Tati will put construct these like, uh, like audio and visual gags that have like different sources, but they like come together to do something that they wouldn't mm-hmm. be able to do like separately. I know that sounds like I'm like explaining th- something too much, but it happens frequently where like a sound will come in from elsewhere that like serves the gag that's happening. In the movie, like when they <laughs> bike through that one path, and there's just always the sound of bees. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. It's probably the most notable one here, and it's it's when we first get the introduction of Francois about like 15 minutes in. I really like that he. Um, although I guess it's not as if he would have been. I mean, he probably was a known entity from like his stage performances, but it's not as if he'd had the screen 
uh, from what I understand of Playtime, which I've not seen yet, I can't wait to watch it on my phone. From what I understand of Playtime, <laughs> a big one of the great things about the early stretches of Playtime is you keep thinking Monsieur Hello is 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 coming onto the screen, and it's just a guy who's dressed like him. Like, mm, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> even like he he seems to almost preempt that by like making us wonder where the hell Jacques Tati is, and then he rides in his bike fifteen minutes in trying to dodge this uh, wasp that only we can, like, hear. <laughs> yeah, you just see people, like, doing these insane body motions, like, truly avant-garde movements, and, uh, like, what ex- what explains this absurd thing happening to everybody on screen is, like, the sound of, like, a buzzing. But you, you can't mm-hmm. see any bees, and you just see people acting insane, and it's a unique type of joke that, like, you just, you just kind of acknowledge yourself, like, these people are moving very strangely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, and it's 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 a unique kind of joke, and I don't really think it it doesn't exist a whole lot in film today. It only kind of exists when you were in this era, kind of between sound and silent film, right? Um, yeah. Like City Lights is full of um, like sound, like sound gags. Like when the when the characters talk, um, it's this really like kind of like wah, wah, wah. it's this like mm-hmm. Charlie Brown ass like. Wah, wah. <laughs> I, I think that's like Chaplin partially making fun of the characters and partially making fun of like the notion of sound cinema. One gets the sense I think that Tati would have rather shot this silent, or at least like wouldn't have given much of it. Wouldn't have. Would, would, would I think he did shoot the silent? Actually, I think he shot all of his film silent and then put in sound effects afterward. Mm. One one gets the sense that like when it comes to like dialogue and stuff, it's all fairly incidental to him. Um, there's so mm-hmm. much of the, um, the the character he plays dialogue that's just like mumbled, um, barely audible, <laughs> and mm-hmm. and some of it's not even subtitled. It's just a lot of like mm. like this is a fucking American. Yeah, because honestly, most of it is him like angrily muttering at that point. To return for a second to the scene with like the movie trailer playing, I mean, you talked about like what a what a gag it is to see this like just sort of like regular guy framing himself as like a knight i think that's what we're seeing in that scene too it's these two people thinking about themselves like like hollywood idols you know thinking about themselves like 50 feet tall on the screen Mm. and tati brett was talking about this gets a lot of people tag him as like a luddite because all of his films are about um kind of modernity and tradition clashing but i thought that was like kind of like a beautiful moment about what this like technology has like meant for these people's lives that they can like imagine themselves on that screen and that they can like mm, take those like mm-hmm. Hollywood emotions, and maybe it's not literally Hollywood. I mean, it probably was a French film, but you know right. what I mean. I'm using I'm using Hollywood as a catch all for for cinema here, folks. However, problematically, um, they can they can start to map that onto their lives and start to think about themselves in more like grandiose ways. Um, so you're talking about the movie they see about like the future, the American oh, postal workers. No, I'm still talking about when the in the uh, the the guy who owns the stage and the woman, he's his paramour. Oh uh, right, right, listening right. to the trailer. But we should talk about that sequence because that's that's the funniest bit in the entire movie. Um, <laughs> and I like I like that instead of just getting a straight on shot of the screen, you're watching as you're watching Francois looking through the tent and you're watching his face like register with like just muted horror. And, like what he's seeing. <laughs> they watch this documentary uh-huh. about American mailmen and it's just Francois like, is a mailman. <laughs> yeah, Francois is a mailman. He's riding around on his bike delivering mail um, much to I. He's sort of an object of fun within the town. They seem to sort of like make fun of him, but um, I don't know. Given Tati is such like a good-natured sort of humanistic guy that it's not like they're really like 
it's not like they beat him up, you know? It's no, he's more just, just kind like of like a like tertiary guy that they're just like, everyone's kind of poking fun at, but no one cares uh-huh. enough about him to like take take him in. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's watching through through the tent at one point, this documentary about, um, or it's more of like a newsreel sort of a thing about American mailmen. And they're all doing like evil Knievel ass stunts. They're all like jumping through like rings of fire, <laughs> yeah. and, like jumping over they're planes like, and the shit. American, the American uh, postal worker has like harnessed the air and it shows like, and they're in helicopters. <laughs> trapeze artists like flipping through the air and saying that that's like what the postal workers do mm-hmm. and he's just like it's just like registering in his face ever so subtly how he's just like oh no oh no and then there's this shot yeah. of like mailman in like a fucking like bodybuilding pageant it's all these like <laughs> these ripped ass dudes <laughs> in like speedos it's like wow look at these hot mailmen wouldn't you like to have one of these mailmen come to your door wearing this Oh, yeah, and so he's good. just this like mailman with like a tiny bike, and he's like, "Oh my god, oh no!" Um, oh, he there's a wonderful little moment that happens there as well. That's like, again, we find these characters in a situation where like there's like a shot that registers kind of separate from the action. That's just interesting or kind of beautiful. And it's when they're both looking through the tent and it's like these two guys are like, come watch this postal worker movie. And uh, Francois wants to go in the front to like buy a ticket. And then he's like, no, no, come to the corner of the tent where you don't have to pay for it, which is like not even spoken about. Like he doesn't feed that to you. It just happens. And it's like in between bits. And it's like, okay, a little bit of magic. And then they're watching through the corner of the tent and again, you're watching them watch this movie and you're seeing like little clips of it. And then Tati just shows a shot of them like with their arms around each other, trying to like huddle closely to see through that corner of the tent. It's like, oh, they're kind of embracing. Oh, it's so sweet. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> how does Francois take this news? Well, uh, not well. He uh, well, you know, he, he proves that he's a man after my own heart. After some uh, some bad news personally, oh, the future's not looking so great for your boy. Well, why not take a why not take a trip Clock down out. to the local watering hole? <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. So he does a bunch of uh, a bunch of shots of alcohol. I guess we should frame this a little more. This centers around a small town that the 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 circus comes through and. Uh, Francois, the mail carrier, comes into town. We don't really know he's the main character until a little bit later, but then we just end up following him once he gets drunk at the local watering hole. Things kind of intensify in a strange way. The movie becomes... I don't know. I was i was kind of surprised by the, the turn it took when it once he gets pretty drunk. Um, yeah, the pace really picks up. He does a lot of like biking drunk. He plays drunk much better than Tom mm, Hanks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the only <laughs> other actors we've really watched uh, play drunk in these films. Another thing that stuck out to me, and I don't want to again like deal in stereotypes here, but the idea of these like hearty, rugged men drinking white wine was very interesting <laughs> to me. Just going to the bar and yeah, ordering I white think, wine. I guess I think it's a French thing to like. I don't know, do shots of wine. It's probably just because they live in the French countryside and wine is probably just constantly being made. Um, um, but yeah, he does a shot of cognac at one point and by 
because someone like slips it to him. These two guys that run the circus are kind of being cruel to him and like making him do a bunch of shots. And he takes a shot of cognac and the way that he kind of makes a face, you just kind of feel your stomach like growling from like taking a shot of alcohol. He gets like really drunk and he's already kind of a clumsy guy and is kind of pushed out into the world. And that's when he really starts like mumbling too. That's when stuff that he says is like barely audible. We're not getting subtitles for a lot of what he says. He's clearly very hurt by <laughs> having seen this uh, this movie about what mail carriers are like on the other yeah, side. Yeah, he of the keeps pond. saying like Americans, like Jesus Christ, like I the the kind of thing like where you get drunk and and are just so angry that it just consumes your entire uh-huh. night. I found, like, I f- f- definitely felt, like, some of the, like, when he wakes up the next day and he's like, all right, I'm going to be a great postal worker, like, everything's going to change. After being, like, wasted the night before and then trying to, like, enact uh-huh. these changes, like, waking up from a blackout and you're like, I'm going to eat salad. It's like, give yourself uh-huh. a minute. This is it. <laughs> uh-huh. whole, new, whole new me. <laughs> He's wasted, and then he wakes up the next day and tries to be, like, an American postal worker and, like, do everything the fast way, the right way. What would you say is, like, the nature of the drunk gags? It's We, we talked a little bit about, I think when we were off, Mike, about there being sort of, like, an inevitab- inevitability to the gag that makes it all the funnier. Um, it's, it's like the Ming Vaz thing that we always talk about. And so much of, like, the drunken antics is just knowing he's going to, like, bump into shit. <laughs> it makes, um, like, a bike seem like the most complicated, modern, like, tool, like, thing that's just not built for, like, a person. Um, have you have you tried to bike drunk? Because I've done it once in my entire life. It's and a it didn't go nightmare. Well. Yeah, it sucks. People say it's fun. It is not fun. No, it's not fun. We have very, very different. These same people must think that driving drunk is really fun. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, like, trying to sprint down a hill drunk or something is really fun. Uh-huh. Um, I think that like the use of alcohol makes Francois into this guy that's just totally unable to handle the the tools presented to him that like fences and bicycles and doorways and chairs and um like animals become these insurmountable obstacles in like as if you were dropped into a video game and you just have to figure out all the rules and there are monsters everywhere and one of your one of your sticks on the PS2 controller doesn't work. Like you're right, really trying right. to your, your you're trying to manage camera off. and movement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your brother bit off the rubber on the analog stick. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that this will kit we'll see in, I guess most ideally in playtime how human beings uh, like match and don't match with the tools that we've created for ourselves are like we have it's we've created kind of an imperfect world for ourselves tool wise. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and he yeah, emphasizes I, this by having a guy that's n- not only drunk, but in the first place, not really that bright. Like he's just kind of wrestling with like the way the world works. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I I really really enjoyed the sequence after he wakes up when once again these two kind of carnival guys are sort of sort of taunting him and they've got him like running around on the carousel to try to tra- train him how to ride his bike faster. <laughs> very 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 good gag. Uh huh. There's a there's a bike that's like attached to the carousel. And that they teach him how to ride and they spin the carousel faster and faster. And he like is convinced that he's like riding the bike really fast. I was just, it's, it's a, it's a definition of a gag where there is just so much business. There are so many like different like objects on this carousel and you're just having to watch him like interact with like every single one of them. And you find uh-huh. yourself beforehand, like concocting in your head. Well, going to get out of this one. How the fuck uh, is this so, so good. Play out? <laughs> and while he's doing that, he has like four other town members one of them runs to the others and is like, you got to see what Francois got himself into. This guy is so stupid. You got to see the dumb shit that they've hoodwinked him into doing this time. And like five people come out and they're just like, you know, cackling at him. Really just kind of, that, that, I feel like that's one of the, the keynote bits in this, uh, which is like surrounded by a bunch of small, very smart little gags. Um I kept thinking of like Elaine May during this in that there are a lot of where Jacques Tati succeeds and Elaine May fails that all of her like in-between gags don't always land. They're just kind of strange. Whereas all the weird little in-between gags of Jacques Tati are always like seem perfectly calculated. Um, Mm -hmm. Like when his bike gets caught on the like train guardrail and goes like, 20 feet in the air and he can't find it um and that's just like a moment in between scenes there's also he really (laughs) just kind of glazes over his like jackass level stunts that are very much not faked at all he just rides a bike off a bridge into a river and then has to Uh like drag his ass out of that river like, there is no cut. There's no way that you could have faked that. He's just riding his bicycle into this, like, rapidly flowing, nasty river. And there's the whole sequence at the end when the bike is got, like, a mind of its own, and he's, like, following it on foot, trying to get it. That's, like, it's, like, a virtuosic sequence. Like, four minutes of this bike just, like, mm-hmm. riding by itself down, like, every possible street, <laughs> through, like, every possible obstacle. So good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what I would compare it to. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. You drop something and it goes rolling out of your out of your reach for 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 three hours. <laughs> he, there's also another just a point to like the difference in all of the like flavors of each gag. There's one where uh, Francois finds himself in like <laughs> he's trying to like uh, play a carnival game and he looks to the guy next to him to see like how to play it and the guy looks at him and he's like cross-eyed. It's just like I'm looking for help. I go to the closest person to me, and it's somehow the guy, the only dumber guy in this town. Uh that whole oh, that whole opening sequence as they're constructing like the carnival has so many great gags. Um, they're trying to like raise this flagpole with like the French flag, and they keep fucking it up. And Jack, uh-huh. that's, he, he keeps either getting hit by the uh, the pole or stepping on a rake nearby and like hitting himself in the face. It's Maybe the introduction, and I, I would have to go through all of, like, maybe every silent comedy ever made, ever made to find out if this, this gag had existed before, but I think this is the introduction of 
the Sideshow Bob rake gag, which you'll remember from the, uh, the Great <laughs> Simpsons episode Cape Fear. What's also incredible about that is that when they're raising the flag, none of them can do it on their own. And then these like kind of asshole carnival goers are like, oh, let's get Francois. Let's pretend that Francois is a super smart guy. And they're like, Francois, get in there. Show them how to raise that flag. Like they obviously don't know. And he he like thinks he's being called on as like a leader of the community. <laughs> and he's like, all right, you stand over there. You stand over there. Like you got to hold it like this. And he kind of gets his shit together and like, everyone kind of listens to him and they are kind of raising the flag, but he just keeps like stepping on a rake and hitting his face. It takes forever, and, but like, he does, he no does puzzle it out. What's going yeah. on. He gets the cross-eyed <laughs> yeah. guy to aim at a different, like uh, he gets the cross-eyed guy to aim at a different nail than the one he's got down. But he figures it out. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, it's like, he's like Laura Croft figuring out a color puzzle. <laughs> he doesn't like, I, I felt in that moment, I didn't know that, Francois was quite as dumb as he is portrayed to be in the rest of the movie. So I was like, it felt like Jacques Tati was saying like something about the way we organize ourselves or like any, any dumbass can like lead something. You just have to tell them they're the leader and they'll like, you know, people need to be led. Uh-huh. You can't just have people running around doing right. their own thing. So, so much of things getting done is just some person in front framing themselves as like the leader usually some jackass (laughs) (laughs) Um, which is funny that he himself he makes himself the jackass in every movie like the butt of every joke it must create like a a a different type of situation on when you're making a movie like that where he's like playing the idiot and not the smart guy one of these days, now that we're on our seventh season of a, now that we're in our second episode of our seventh season of, on a podcast uh-huh. about actors turned directors, one of these days I really should read like a memoir by an actor turned director to just find out what it is like to direct yourself on set. Um, when I listened <laughs> to Ben Affleck on The Ringer recently, or no, it was oh, Ben Affleck God. on, he was doing one of those GQ like career review things and he was talking about how like, he said something that I guess is like a, a piece of received wisdom that oftentimes actors shooting themselves forget to do like coverage on themselves and i said i find that really hard to believe because i imagine most actors who become directors are so into the idea of seeing themselves on camera that they probably oh really God. get a lot get of me coverage for themselves way. okay get, get me, me walking this get way get me walking the other okay way. now let's try it with the shirt off okay uh <laughs> the old woman um, um oh sorry no, go ahead. Well, the old woman returns toward the end of the movie, and I think there's kind of a pretty beautiful thing she says, which kind of like sums it up and ultimately like consoles Francois at the end. She says, news is rarely good, so let it take its sweet time. It seems to be saying like there's there's a reason there are places in the world that still operate like this, and like shouldn't we, shouldn't we mm. hold on to them for as long as we have them, you know? Yeah, and she... She's like, Americans are seen, at least by Francois, like the height of modernity and contemporary society, and that's how we should be, and they're civilized, and the old lady from the beginning sees through, like, what this town considers to be, like, advances in um, technology and fun and, I don't know, the rapidity of, of life, and she's like, Americans can't make crops grow faster, just chill out. Mm-hmm. Which I think is a, it's a great message. 
And and then we end up with uh, Francois having to just like literally just do farm work at the end. And uh, really, I like the uh, the final shot. Did you have any feelings about about that? Um, remind me because I don't have a note here about the final shot. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's a so the he there's these farmers like pulling hay in into like a basket i don't know what farmers do or what they do with hay but they were like just gathering hay and like francois we need your help he's like i'm doing the i'm doing my american post i'm doing like fast american postal service and they're like just let the kid do it and the kid puts on the puts on francois hat takes his bag and just starts like skipping down the road and he's assume we assume that he's doing the rest of like the postal work and francois is just like raking hay in this farm and the final shot is on the back of the carousel truck with all the wooden horses we saw at the beginning we see him following it again down the yep. road uh-huh. yep yeah okay it just to me was like tati made this situation where it didn't have anything to do with the movie and it was so kind of anti uh intellectualizing or making a metaphor out of this whole movie it was just like this really beautiful shot of this kid dressed in a weird costume skipping down the road and mm-hmm. these wooden horses in the foreground it's just like that just looks really nice yeah it brings it all full circle puts a nice bow on it um we can imagine this this carnival rolling into more similar towns i mean if i could intellectualize it and try to attach a meaning to that i guess i guess what he's saying is that like <laughs> trying to keep up with the trends trying to um be as be as modern as 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 industrial as possible is like a young man's game um mm. he's he's at this point realized he's been around long enough to realize he can't keep up so now he's passing mm-hmm. that on to to someone else who will probably have just as many kind of foolish misadventures but will hopefully wind up i don't know somewhere more enlightened than uh francois hmm. ultimately ended up to this pursuit uh-huh which makes the carousel kind of an apt ride that they highlight in this movie just kind of Slowly spinning in around circles and around <laughs> right he's on the bike just seeming like he it feels to him like he's going at a light speed but he's just going in a circle mm-hmm. and it's like they all live in the same town what would be the point of faster postal service when you know every single person there's no there seems to be no rush for anything to happen Mm-hmm. yeah and 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 like the old lady says when there is news that we don't already know it's it's bad news what is the point of uh speeding mm-hmm. into some shiny future um and you know it, it reminds me of of what i've always said about carousels um you know What's they that? go they go backwards they go forwards they uh-huh. take us to places where we ache to go again it's not called the uh-huh. wheel <laughs> fuck it's, i just said wheel good god it's not called the wheel <laughs> it's called the carousel uh-huh. It lets us travel the way a child travels, oh, round and around right. and back yeah, home again yeah, yeah. to a place where we know mm-hmm. we are loved. Mm-hmm. Ben, that's, I can't believe that you just, you know, you come up with these beautiful lines just right on the spot. And then Harry Crane is running out of the room crying. Um, <laughs> it's a picture of my wife behind me. It's New Year's, <laughs> I guess, 1959. <laughs> yeah. Okay, wow. You're really painting a picture here. Is Harry Crane your, I don't know, is that Johnny? Or? Uh, just a co-worker. He's in the uh, media department. 
<laughs> you know, I work with a lot of um, just kind of like broy blue blood assholes, and he's this more kind of Midwestern yeah. guy. He's got a good relationship with his wife. He's kind of heavy set, wears glasses. Mm. Different than most of the people I work with. Oh, oh, yeah. okay, gotcha. Um, they there is a, I think a, some bits in this in this. The reason we mention them so much is because this is just bit heavy. Wall to wall bits. Um, wall to wall bits. The the pe- people on Letterbox complain that there's no plot. When are you gonna learn? Do you look that? at a carousel and complain no. that there's no plot? Do you complain that it's just going around in circles? <laughs> uh, when are you gonna learn? Yeah, I go to sleep crying because I was like, there was, there was, there was not a rising action to my day. How about the scene when uh, he Francois just almost gets fucking clipped by a, like T-boned by a car, just narrowly avoids it, just totally skips by that fact. I was on, cracking up on my <laughs> on my jog today. I ran across the street and realized I'd completely not looked either way before crossing the street. Oh. And as I looked right while I was midway across the street, I saw a car stopped like oh a foot from god. me. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> could have just blissfully unaware been killed an hour before recording right, this podcast. Right. Um, so many bits in the movie, uh, are predictable, but I think equally as like predictable in that you see the setup, you get the Chekhov's fucking chain link fence. Um, I don't Chekhov's even know if they have chain link fences. Chekhov's hose. Oh, how about when he just falls into the ground while holding the hose? Totally oh, out of nowhere. Like yelled, That's yeah. <laughs> one that absolutely did That was not a true, like complete, yeah, uh, unexpected gag. Which yeah, really stood I, out. I I was my my neighbors definitely had the had were about to type the last one on that three le, three number phone number. Uh, that we, we all, all we all know the one. <laughs> <laughs> we all know, I won't say it. Um, but there's equally as much gags that seem to just like arise out of nowhere, or like seem to be as if they were figured out at that moment. And I don't know if Tati had lived in this place so long that he'd seen every potential gag from like ages zero to like 25. Uh-huh. Um, but there is a line that, is there something you were going to say? Well, I was going to say about like seeing gags around you. Um, people mm. have often said that like playing the Tony Hawk's pro skater games makes you think about how you could skate <laughs> from like place to place. Watching this movie, do you not find yourself like looking around your your daily like spaces and thinking like now how could I make a gag out of this now what could like I've seen <laughs> I've seen so many like silent well not so many I've seen most of like the big time like kind of like silent like gagsmith comedies and I don't know that any of them yeah. have ever made me like look around my environment for like what would be funny what what funny thing could I do with it what's the funny shit that's an incredible feeling I think that that's I think I have a feeling that's what we're gonna see through a lot of his movies it's like he's taking what seems like a room with two chairs in it and somehow makes it just this like super absurdly hilarious situation of people flubbing shit and making them look dumb um there's a robert frost quote that points at like i feel like this feeling this like i don't want to say genius yet because i it 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 it's too bad when these movies have such good reputations that you just have to call it a genius movie beforehand. Uh-huh. You can't actually discover it for yourself. But I feel like Jacques Tati has this feeling. It seems like he can just walk around this town that he's known his entire life and find the funniest things to do in like a town square with like 
a few people and uh it, it seemed like he makes that that feeling to him feels like it's like a gift that he has or that it's something that I wouldn't be able to see just sitting in a room, seeing how funny uh, these like situations can be. Uh, Robert Frost in an interview with Richard Poirier says um, he's talking about like, I don't know how to, how he thinks about writing poems. When you're writing, it ought to be that you're thinking forward with the feeling of strength, that you're getting them good all the way, carrying out some intention more felt than thought. It begins, and what it is that guides us, what is it? Young people wonder about that, don't they? But I tell them it's just the same as when you feel a joke coming. You see someone coming down the street you're accustomed to abuse, and you feel it rising in you. Something to say as you pass each other, coming over him the same way. And where do these thoughts come from? Where does a thought, something does it to you? It's him coming towards you that gives you the animus, you know. When they want to know about inspiration, I tell them it's mostly animus, which is a very, like, non-answer for Robert Frost to say, but I looked up the definition of animus, and it's, like, the human ability to, like, pull shit out of thin air. Uh Or, like, you know, you see you telling a joke or something, it just somehow all comes to you or like you're in a mode and then Uh you just i remember (laughs) in high school i was like feeling good i i distinctly remember this feeling and i don't remember what the joke was but i i had this feeling i was like i'm gonna think of a killer fucking joke and then i did and told it and it like everyone laughed and i knew like right before i had the joke set up that the something was coming mm-hmm. and i i totally understand like how that worked but i don't understand like but i tell myself i don't understand how fucking filmmakers think of this shit i t- i don't know how artists come up with this shit or everyone how do you think of it's like i don't know it's just that insane human feeling that uh, we all have <laughs> yeah yeah um the animus is also the thing from assassin's creed you'll remember um Oh, fantastic. I'm glad you brought it brought it to that. <laughs> um <laughs> what is that shit? Um I think what the animus it it's like the animus is the it's thing like they put him into. It's like a Oh it it's puts that him like under fucking, so he goes right. into like his memories. Um in the oh movie God, it's if, a if crazy Jacques Tati like, could arm. see that. <laughs> in a movie can you imagine if Jacques Tati was alive to see the Assassin's Creed movie or to play the Assassin's Creed video oh games or to God. even conceive of what a video game would be? <laughs> Thank God. Thank God he didn't let oh, to see Oh, thank that. God he did not make <laughs> jokes about video games. I would be so shamed. Oh, God, imagine imagine how bad... As we talk about all of these people being geniuses, but, like, obviously no one bats a thousand. And can you imagine how bad movies by some of these people would be if they were living now? Like, what, like, hackery they would turn to? Like, thank God. Thank God some people hung it up after, like, six films. Um, <laughs> well, I would be remiss if I didn't mention my favorite gag from this movie. Um, this one happens pretty early on when they're setting up for the carnival. And there's a woman who... He's living in like it's sort of a it looks sort of like a trailer it looks almost like a caboose sort of in the middle of the street and mm-hmm. she shouts out or and it's and is it part of the traveling circus train maybe is that why yeah, it looks like it's a caboose? like, like yeah. it's like a boat a houseboat uh huh yeah yeah and and she shouts to one of the other carnival employees hey have you seen the dogs and he whistles and like ten dogs run out the door behind her <laughs> and she just deadpans <laughs> like oh I guess they were inside. And you're just, you're racking your brain. Where the fuck could those dogs have been? That's 10 dogs. Right. right. 
And she just came from inside. <laughs> oh, it's, it's the such most a good bizarre bit. gag. And like he doesn't, movie. and he just lets these bits like much like we talked about this with May. How like she doesn't like mug about these gags. There's no like eye contact with the camera. There's no like wah, wah. the gags just happen yeah. and then we're moving on like that. Right, no one right. comments no, on the none. ridiculousness of these ten dogs running out of this this caboose. It's just you know now we're on to Hulot with his uh, s- or Francois with his hose. Francois the pesky hose. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he and you never see the dogs again. Um, I will just say you talked about having a joke that you know is good and that you know is going to be a hit. Um, I felt that way about my feet du jour joke, and I guess I guess I was wrong. I guess I don't have this. But, uh, well, I think it? part of it was you you were telling me that you had this joke cooked up that was the best joke you ever told. So I think it was like probably similar to when I saw Avatar for the first time, like late. I saw it too late, wasn't it? It didn't hit like it uh, did for the opening night, folks. People saw it in theaters, yeah. Yeah, because, well, I saw it in theaters, but everybody had hyped it. Like everybody was like, yeah, I went, I went fucking keto after I saw that movie. I went ketogenic. Whoa. That's what they're calling. Uh, that's what they're calling nap, uh, bath salts these days. Oh. Is that is that funny? Is my animus work? <laughs> <laughs> is this thing on? Uh, well, you know. On that note, uh, wrap it up on uh, season uh, season seven, episode two. Seasons is it season seven? Holy shit! Right, well, let's let's think about it. We got Ron Howard, we got Mel okay. Gibson, we got Cassavetes versus Cassavetes. That's three. We got Favreau. Favs. Coppola. Coppola. Nichols and May. What did we do after? Damn. Tati. Yeah. Holy shit. I can't wow, believe right? we did one in between Coppola. Feels like the last one. Everything in between Ron Howard and Tati has just been commercials. It's honestly been like such a, it feels like such a blur because Ron Howard felt like my entire fucking life. Monumental. <laughs> like- it took like two years for us to watch. We watched every one, which is fucking insane. Crazy. I cannot believe I talked you into doing that. And I'll never forget that the initial <laughs> plan was for us to cover every one of his movies in like three or four episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'd put them all together. I watched three That's of his movies. I watched all of his movies in three days. I was completely out of my <laughs> mind. <laughs> uh, gained nothing from gained, it. Yep, gained nothing. Talking about that with Johnny too, is like, got all of the things I've... I've remembered and forgotten in my life and now because i'm so online and because the political discourse is such as it is i will remember amy, amy klobuchar's i'd like to see how your hair would fare in a blizzard joke until i'm fucking dead i will remember that <laughs> long after i've forgotten the names of my loved ones long uh, after, uh-huh. <laughs> that would be just playing him and i'd like to see how your hair would fare in a blizzard. oh my <laughs> god sorry <laughs> Um, wig consider the consider tati's wig snatched <laughs> oh and he just goes <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen uh very much appreciated uh having you here at the round table on another episode of real rap bennett do you have any parting words for our friends i would just say that uh i know no one is in the habit of watching along with the show uh but if, uh, I think they're catching on. If yeah, if you, if you, if you uh, if you decided to do that, all of Jacques Tati's features are on the Criterion Channel. Um, I imagine they're also available to rent elsewhere. Um, I'm sure your that local library has them. 
fantastic app we all know and love, the Criterion Channel app and the uh, accompanying, I don't know, Amazon Fire application that works so well yeah you know if you've got a jailbroken apple fire stick you can really watch this all around <laughs> i can't believe that's still a thing people do ladies and gentlemen please uh if you you have any thoughts questions concerns please call our voicemail at 410-694-7228 tell us about your taxes tell us about how your cat uh jumped on, onto your lit stove um and everything in between uh, from all of us here at Real Rep, signing out. Bye bye. bye.